place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I would rather be. That I can't. 
you to come up to the front and if you do speak in tongues and you just want a fresh anointing come come I want us to linger in the presence of the Lord I was gonna pray for something totally different this is Jesus right now come on fresh anointing fresh anointing in this place 
Hallelujah. Lift up your hands if you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want all the elders to come around them, just start laying hands. But whoever has responded, if you are up here, I need you to go after Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Move in this place. Move in our midst today. We've come hungry. We've come desperate. We're longing for more. I want you guys to sing set a fire in the, in the background. Just set a fire in my soul. Come on. You guys need a fire that you can't contain, that your flesh can't control anymore. Hallelujah. More Jesus. More of your presence, oh God. Baptize your people with a fresh fire. Shoto robo bo kira baba basi tere bebeko kira baba basi tere bebeko robo bo bosi. shall thirst no more. How many of you guys are so happy we don't have to thirst anymore? We find our meaning in Jesus. He has given us salvation. He has given us eternal waters to drink. Hallelujah. I want us to all hold hands together all across this room. I want us to close out with the previous chorus of hallelujah. He's won the victory. We serve an awesome God. We serve a Jesus who came, fully God, fully man. He died on the cross to take our place. And he rose again from the dead. And now he's alive. And we serve him, the king of majesty, who has given us victory in life. He has given us a new life. He's taken away the old, and he's given us the new and we don't have to thirst anymore. We don't have to find meaning in this world anymore. Everything we need is in Jesus. So Metro Praise International, I want us to close out with a bang this morning and worship our King. So let's lift up our voices and sing this chorus unto our Lord.
Praise the Lord. What an awesome time in the presence of God. It's never a dull moment when you're hanging out with Jesus. Always come expecting when you come to the house of the Lord. There's always a fullness of God when you come into the house of Jesus. For those that may not know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostic. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. I want to welcome you on behalf of all of our leaders to Metro Praise International, especially on this special Mother's Day. I want to preach the gospel to you this morning. How many of you guys like good news? I like good news. And Jesus came to give us good news. <clears throat> In the book of Luke, chapter 15, verse 3 through 7, it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. He's talking to the Pharisees of his day at this time. The Pharisees are the really religious people, the ones who think they have it all together, and they're perfect because they're, you know, doing the law and following the commands to the book. But they have no life. They're dead in their religion. 
And they were upset with Jesus because he was hanging out with the sinners. Somebody say sinners. They didn't like that. They thought that the Messiah, their king, their God would never do that. But how many of you guys know that Jesus came to seek and save the lost? He didn't come to save perfect people because that's not what we are. He created us to be that originally, but we fell and we needed a savior, somebody who would redeem us and restore us back into relationship with God the Father. And this is what he said to those people that were upset with him. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds the one? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and returns and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be much rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. I want to let you know the good news of the gospel this morning is that Jesus came to seek and save you. And he is more excited. And there is a party up in heaven when one sinner, one sinner turns from their wicked ways and turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, save me. I am lost. That's what our God came to do. Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, took our punishment on the cross, died a gruesome death, paid a price that we should have paid, but we could never pay it. It's only the blood of Jesus that could cover us and make us white like snow in the eyes of God the Father. He redeemed us. He rescued us. He came to seek and save us. And with all eyes closed all across this room, you know today if you're not right with God, and you are that one lost sheep that Jesus is saying, come now, I have found you. You don't have to run anymore. You don't have to try to go home and fix yourself to be perfect first. You were lost, and now you are found. And if you know that you are not right with God, today is a day to make it right. Today is a day for your salvation. The Bible says that no man can get into the heaven unless they have been born again. You need new life that only comes from Jesus. And as I pray, if that's you, I want you to come into agreement with me. Lord, I thank you for the gospel message that you came to seek and save the lost, that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents and turns to you. And I thank you, God, that you left the glories of heaven to come down to earth to seek us and to find us and to save us. And I pray that today that you would knock on the doors of people's hearts and that they would let you in and they would surrender their life to you convict them of sin they would repent and turn from their ways and turn to you to be saved in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen please stand up to your feet with me this morning during our fellowship time we're going to have prayer workers up here at the front who want to pray with you if you want to get your life right with Jesus, if you have questions about how to get plugged into the church and be discipled, they're going to tell you all about that. So I really want to encourage you during the fellowship time in just a few moments to come and receive prayer. Amen. At this time, we're going to confess our confession of faith. Excuse me. This is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world around us, the lens in which we see 
society, and it's all based on the word of God. So if you believe this and you want to join in with the brothers and sisters all across the earth, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. The second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Give it up for Jesus. Take some time to greet somebody. Give somebody a handshake and a hug. Thank you for coming. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps
All right. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. We're so excited that you guys came to join us at Metro Praise International. We welcome you all, especially if it's your first time. And all the mothers, thank you for joining us for our Mother's Day service today. We have some wonderful gifts for you and beautiful roses. Thank you for coming. Our services at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have a program in the back for our kids. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. So if you know anybody in that age group, this is the place for them to be on Friday nights. Can I get a what, what again? Come on. Special, present, uh, special announcement for you, Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Come on, where all my Boricuas at? We are so pumped. This is our annual outreach. I think this is going to be our 11th one when you include when Joe and I went out alone before, before we even had a facility, right before the day of our wedding. And uh, it was just an awesome time. And God is really, really giving us that green light to be there to preach the gospel. Why not, right? This is our city. We're going to take back our city for Jesus. So we want all of you guys to join us June 18th at 9 a.m. That's a Saturday here at Metro Praise International at 9 in the morning. And we're going to hit the streets, do a whole bunch of stuff, preaching the gospel, give out free food, just meet the needs of the people so that all men may hear. Amen. And so if you haven't done so already, we want you to go to the event page on Facebook and click going. Look to your neighbor. Say click going. All right. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our strategy is to connect you, mentor you, and to send you. The way we want to connect you to Jesus and the church is through our life groups. We have leaders that have opened up their homes so that you could come and feel special and get connected and plugged in. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 discipleship books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel to those that do not know. And then our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Who gets excited when they hear that every week? Come on. So look to your neighbor say, it's time to get connected. This is our snapshot of what's going on just for this week alone. If you turn your handout around, you'll see the, quarter, the quarterly schedule. Find a place to belong with you and your family. There's so many different types of life groups. Find one to get connected to. So this week, we're kicking it off on Wednesday with our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 630 here at the church. That's a weekly one. Thursday, we have our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Come on. And then Friday, we have two adult Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Vivids. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Be there if you are over the age 18 and the ages of 18 and older because they are going to be there to bless you and you're going to have fellowship and build the relationships in the church. Somebody say mentor. We want to mentor you through a 101 and 201 book. This is done through our leaders in the church. So the 101 book is done one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, welcome to your new life. And so we have awesome leaders who want to grow with you and teach you and just really encourage you to get stronger in your walk with God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. We have a Sunday morning class and a Thursday evening class, and it will just bless you. And that's where we train you up to be uh, one day a deacon or an elder in the church. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to the streets to preach the gospel, to do evangelism. And it's every Saturday from 5 to 8. We meet here at the church at 5. 
and they hit the streets and they preach the gospel to people they do not know, complete strangers. And uh, that's what we're all commanded to do, to, to give an answer for the hope that we have. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. How many wise people do I have in the house? Come on. And so it's just an awesome time. If you've never done it, meet them here on Saturdays and get trained up on how to do it. Don't allow fear or discouragement to keep you back. Be victorious in Jesus and let people know that they need to have Jesus in order to be saved. Amen. So to recap, our vision and strategy and goal, vision of loving God and loving people, strategy of connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a what, what? Praise the Lord. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings this morning? Come on, an extension of our worship unto the Lord. At MPI here, we believe that tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. And then we also give to offerings. Offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord. And we designate it towards missions and towards our building fund. And we're so excited about all that God is doing through us. Uh, and among us and all that we're able to do in the mission field and here in the building fund and all the new things that you can see and continue to see. So let's get into our lesson today in the Disciples Giving Book. We are on section two, lesson five. I have the right one up this time on my phone. Lesson five, offerings should be given cheerfully. Somebody say cheerfully. The definition of offering is a gift to God after our tithes. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You guys could follow along with me. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here are the main points from that passage of Scripture. Number one, from the heart. Offerings should be given from the heart and not the manipulation of man. One should pray and ask God to speak to their heart about giving what is best for their life and the kingdom of God. And I always say it, it goes back to our relationship with Jesus. We must be sensitive to the spirit of what he wants us to give. It's not for us to compare to who's giving more or whatnot. When it comes to our offering, we must give with a cheerful heart and do what God tells us to do. Number two, not forced. Offerings are between you and God, so you should never feel pressured to give. Your offerings must come from the joy of being blessed by God to be a blessing. And number three, cheerful giver. The Bible states that God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because cheerful givers truly understand that they are sharing in the work of God upon the earth. What an honor. We should enjoy giving God our offerings just as much and more than we enjoy spending our money on clothes, rent, cars, hobbies, or vacations. How many of you guys know that having cars and clothes and doing hobbies is a good thing? And, uh, and our heart should be just as joyful to do those things as it is to give offerings to the Lord so we could further and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. Let's read this summary. Cheerfully give your offerings from a loving heart of generosity. Let's apply this in three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, never give under pressure or to please man. Never do it to please man. It's always between you and the Lord. If you do it with the wrong motive, guess who's watching? God is watching. He's judging our hearts, so it has to be on to him. And number three, give generous offerings to God from a cheerful heart. If, that's, if that is you, if that's what you want to be, let's recite this together, this confession over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. 
Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our best. I'm sorry, we're going to remain seated for this next part. I thought we were going to have you stand up. Let me finish off my part here. Joe's going to come up and give us some exciting news. I just want to recap that MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. And we give our offerings here at MPI towards missions and towards building. We have awesome announcements about our building fund. Joe will be up in just a few moments to give you the update on that. Here are four ways for you to give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with a debit or credit card. You can see Pastor Griselda if you want to do that. And number four, online with Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. So I'm going to hand over the mic to Pastor Joe Wyrostek. Guys, I got some amazing news. Put up this slide. We raised in the month of April 7000 oh, excuse me, $11,133. Come on. Guys, I want you to get this, $11,133 in uno month, one month. We then blew up, everybody say blew up. We blew up then the building fund, went over budget by $7,712. Give it up for Jesus. Now, you may be saying that sounds too good to be true, but it's not because our God is that good. Now, I want to explain to you what happened. Put up the next slide, please. I want you to see this. We started off with a building fund budget of around $11,000. But you know what? When we started building this stage, having the professionals come in with the lighting, bringing in the professionals for the guitar, from Guitar Center for the speakers, having a professional look at our keyboard and all of that, we realized literally we were about half of the budget. We didn't need $11,000. We needed about $20,000 to do it right. So I said, Jesus, you don't ever ask for something that you don't pay for because you got the money, honey. Come on. Jesus got the money, doesn't he? I mean, he's not my honey, but you get my point. He's got the money. Where it's God's will, Jesus pays the bills. So I looked over at, at what we had, and I said, okay, let's put some numbers here together. Well, on average, this is a good month, April, we raised $1,600. That's just everybody doing their part. But then I showed up to the elders and deacon meeting, and I said, guys, we can have these kind of speakers that we've had before, just get a newer version, or we can go to a whole nother level. I said, guys, let's put our shekels in and do our best and raise about $2,300. And the elders and deacons in one meeting, about 30 of us, raised $2,461. Come on. And then, just like how anybody looks at their bank account, I looked at our church bank account, literally, this was a God thing, for April, and we were $4,000 over budget. And I said, instead of putting that in savings, let's put it right towards the building fund. And then I went to savings, and I talked to our governing elder, and I said, we're about 3000 short if we want to put this kind of sound system with a uh, soundboard, 32-channel digital soundboard that we can record and have a studio here, because I think Adam and the band deserve to be recorded. Didn't they sound great today? You guys are it. Come on, next Hillsong starting here. Metro song. 
And Metro Praise footed the bill because of your generosity. This is your generosity because we had it in savings and because last month was such a phenomenal month, we pulled 7000 out. So that's where the $11,133 came from. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Look at your neighbor and go, boom. That's how we dropped it like it's hot. So I want everybody with me just to take a deep breath, a sigh of relief. Go back to that previous slide. We raised that $18,832. We did it, guys. We did it. Praise God. Finito. Finish. The speakers now are coming in. I already put the 7000 down. 3000 will be paid later this week. Hopefully it will come in next week or the week after. And this thing is going to be amazing. The speakers are going to be actually put up there. We're getting new subs. Then there's going to be two ones here on the side. These will be used for our outreach speakers for Boricua Fest along with the subwoofers and the, and the soundboard back there. It's going to be amazing. Now watch this. This is going to blow your mind. Watch this because it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Now watch this. Brandon came. How many remember when Brandon was here, led worship for? Didn't that bless us? Amen. When he came, God just spoke to me, and I believe God spoke to him as well. And I said, Brandon, I think, I think it would be a blessing to have you come at least once a month for the next six months to help us blow up this new band equipment, all this new stuff that we got, the recording equipment, to help Adam and the rest of the team that have so much potential because, you know, he's been in studios, he's filled stadiums. And I said, brother, if we gave you $1,000, that would be everything. Pay for your plane ticket, your rent-a-car, you can stay at my house. Would you come down here one weekend a month from Friday to Monday, do the youth group on Friday, do band training on Saturday and recording, do two services on Sunday, Monday and then fly out Monday, and he said he would do it, and then I said, you know what, that would be $6,000, 1000 a month, I said, our people are giving about 1600 I said, but then let's take the rest of that money, that 600 and let's put it towards an awesome event, put up this slide, please, a soul-winning summer, guys, let's give it up for soul-winning summer, I've got an idea here of how we can change the world one soul at a time. I believe we can do these things and make an awesome summer into the fall. May 22nd, worship conference with Brandon, and he's going to teach on worship. June 19th, Father's Day in baptism with Boricua Fest weekend. Brandon and the band out there. All Nations dinner July 10th. Everybody coming here with Brandon and the band again. Back to school party. You Sunday. And then a free-to-live illustrated sermon with the band, with Brandon. Brandon, how many want to partner, come on, for a soul-winning summer? I'm so excited. I am so excited. I can't even tell you how excited I am because a building fund is always that extra that we give beyond our tithe for the things of God. And I said, Lord, after we raise the building fund for the band, what are we going to do? And I felt that we could have just paused and says, hey, we don't need that as an offering. We, you know, just keep giving to missions. And by the way, you guys have been doing amazing with missions. Right now, do you know where our mission goes? Because I just cut the check at the beginning of the month. We support a uh, drug rehab in Colombia. How many think Colombia needs a drug rehab? Come on, come on. 
We, we, have an, we support an orphanage in Mozambique, Africa. We are supporting aviation pilots to fly Bibles and medical supplies to the jungles of the Congo. We are supporting right now $200 a month, a ministry center on Bourbon Street in New Orleans because I want to sow seed into a mission in America. Amen. And then we are supporting the open door ministry of the underground church and the persecuted church. We give to them so they can give Bibles and translations to those people. Can I hear an amen? And so I just felt like, and I talked to the elders, and it wasn't just a decision by myself, but I said, guys, what do you think? We keep the building fund going for the rest of the year, you know, till October, and we just pay as we go. We just, you know, pay Brandon as we go. He's worth it. He's going to bless us. He's going to train up the team. I asked the band. I said, do you think it will be awesome to have him train you guys on this keyboard, on our, our recording equipment to bring us together? And Adam gave a standing ovation. Is that not true, sir? He was so excited to help the band go to another level. And then I said, let's just pack out these days. And so some of you have already asked, hey, what can I do financially to help out Boricua Fest? It's FRE free for the people, but the extra 2000 we put up there to make it 8000 because Brandon's 1000 a month for six months is uh, going to go to those supplies. So anybody who would like to help pay for the rice that we give out, the face painting, or any of these free things that we're going to be doing, you can continue to give to the building fund. And here's what I believe about our church. We don't have to force you to do it. When I came to the elders and I said, guys, we can get these kind of speakers or these kind. They said, Joe, what do we need? And I said, I, I think we need the best. And then they said, well, how do we do? And I said, well, we got to come up with some money in this meeting. There wasn't one person that said, man, I don't think it's right. I'll give whatever I had. And I literally told them, I said, if you only give a penny, that's fine. Just give what God put on your heart. And we needed in that meeting, I think, $2,300, and we raised 2400 Come on, whoop, there it is. And then the month, the month, April, because sometimes it's, you hit budget. You know, we spend about 12000 a month. Sometimes we just bring in 12000 And the month that we need all these extra Gs, I'm looking at 4000 sitting extra in the bank. Come on, you think that's a coincidence? Hello, somebody. You know, God has a way of doing it. And some people I know come to the church and hear the church talk about money and say, man, it just works that way for the church, not for me. And that's not true. We are blessed as you are blessed. That's, why do you think we take our time to teach a lesson on offering? Why do you think I wrote that book on that? Because the Bible says the mo money is the root to all kinds of evil. But when we give it, we're blessed. You know, give, you give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together. So I believe as the house of God goes is how my house goes. I believe as this business goes, my business goes. Amen? And so I don't believe we can ever outgive God. And so here's what I say every time we do one of these. If you weren't here when we started the last one, listen, 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 listen. Everybody look up at me, please. Put that big number up, that 18,000. Let me just get a little sassy. Can I get sassy with you? Let me just tell you this right here. If you didn't do the last one, God did it without you. I'm just going to get sassy with you right now. If you didn't give to this last one, God did it without you. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to do it again without you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. He'll do it again without I don't want to give to that church. I'm old grumpy pants. I don't want to give nothing. Don't give nothing. Somebody else will. And God will bless them. If you didn't give to this one, God will do it without grumpy pants. But here's the thing, here's the thing. Giving for me is a privilege. My wife and I were in a, a serious accident. Insurance claims had to be settled. Lawyers had to get involved. Listen to me, I already know what I'm giving off that, amen? Thousands, because you know why? I got thousands, amen? Tithe, what's a tithe off a dollar? Ten cents, amen? So if you get a dollar, you should give cents, right? What's a tithe off a thousand? A hundred, because you got hundreds, right? Well, you get an insurance claim of 100000 what do you think you should give? How much do you give off a 100000 insurance claim? See, if you couldn't give off, a, I, I gave off a dollar when I was a little kid. Did your parents teach you how to tithe, girl? Come on. You came from a good tithing family, didn't you? 
here's your nickel. You ever hear the story about the kid with two nickels on his way to go to church and get some ice cream? How many haven't heard that story? I'll tell you again if you haven't. Okay, for those of you who haven't heard the nickel story, so grandma has the, the grandkids over for the summer, and she always sends them to church on Sunday. She's sick. She can't go to church, so she always gives them a couple nickels. This is back in the day when they could buy you something, and she would say, okay, here you go, Johnny. Here's two nickels. You give one to Jesus, and the other one's for you to get an ice cream cone on the way home, okay? And, you know, just like any kid, he's got his two nickels, and he's playing with them, and he's walking over a bridge, and he's playing with it, and he drops a nickel, boom, 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 and it goes into the water, and he looks at it, and he goes, oh, there went Jesus' nickel. I still got my nickel. Still got my ice cream nickel. And isn't that the way we think all the time? You know what I'm saying? All these extra bills came. Oh, there went Jesus' money. Still got mine. But I'll tell you what, I was taught as a little kid, you always put Jesus' nickel first. And that was my ice cream nickel. I'm going to put God first because if I take care of his business, he's going to take care of my business. If I provide for his house, he's going to provide for my house. So just put up that slide one more time. This to me is so exciting, a soul-winning summer. All the things we get to do, all of these outreaches, putting it all together with what God's going to do in the band. I mean, I want to set up for them a goal of three songs recorded and put on YouTube. I want to set that as a goal, but we'll see what they say. Writing their own material and having just the, just the blessing to do all of this. By the way, guys, it is because we love this city we do this. Don't, don't you all get that? Amen. So I want you guys to pray for that. Let's stand up as we prepare to give. That's enough sassiness. Nancy, come on up with me here. Philippians 4.18. Let's all say it together. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tithers and givers and those who sacrifice, God. And, Lord, we thank you that you meet budgets and you pay the bills that are according to your will. We've prayed with the elders and deacons here. and We've really found a, a, a way to win some souls this summer and fall and take advantage, God, of all the things you've put in our heart to really live up to our name, to be a city of praise to the nations, Metro Praise International. And Lord, I just pray we'll keep giving to missions and building and giving that tithe to you, Lord. And as we do our simple obedience, would you bless us? Would you take care of our families? Would you uh, watch over our health and our homes and provide for this economy, God, no matter who gets elected? God, may we trust in you and not the dollar bill or politicians, Lord. And would you bless our nation, Father? And we just thank you, God, that you've been faithful in the past. We look at all that you've already done, and we say, gracias, Señor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we just humbly come before you and ask you to do it again, Jesus. Do it again, God, so Chicago can be saved. Lord, this sound system that we have here was paid for 12 years ago by the church of New Orleans that I used to pastor. Everyone that's ever come here over the last 10 years has heard a sound system that somebody else paid for. God, I pray this congregation now pays for a sound system that we can have for the next decade of ministry in this city, that we can change lives in Colombia, change lives in Mozambique, Africa, change lives in New Orleans, Father, wherever we go with the underground church, God. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give it up for Jesus. Would you come rejoicing as you give? Thank you so very much. We love you, Metro Praise.
We want to bless our mothers today. Mothers, would you come forward today? Come on, give it up for them as they do. Mothers, come forward. We want to give you a gift. Come on up here. First face to us. Just stand right along here. Thank you, mothers. Thank you. We'll have you turn and get a round of applause in just a moment. But we want to give you these gifts right now. I want to read you a wonderful poem about mothers. God made a wonderful mother. A mother who never grows old. He made her smile of the sunshine, and he molded her heart of pure gold. In her eyes he placed bright shining stars. In her cheeks fair roses you see. God made a wonderful mother, and he gave that dear mother to me. Isn't that precious? I know that every one of your children feel that same way, that you're a gift from God. You know, you had to carry us as sons and daughters in your womb for nine months. You had to go through all the sickness, all the pain, all the loss of breath. As you can see, my wife, she's doing so good up here. And mothers, I just want to say thank you. And your family says thank you. And God is pleased with you when you give back to him your motherhood. When you surrender it to him saying, God, use me. Use my home. Use my family. Use the little arroz cucandules that I make, concandules. Use it to bless the niños and niñas. When the Lord is in your house, when the Lord is at that dinner table, your children are blessed. Your family is blessed. And I know some of you have had some hardships. There's maybe some single moms here or some of you who have suffered through having a family. But isn't it worth it all? At the end of the day, no matter who's let you down, God has given you strength to keep those children, to bless them. And there's still happiness for you on the way. For those of you who may be looking for love, maybe you're a single and ready to mingle. That's okay. But we just want to tell you as a church, my wife and I just want to say thank you, gracias, thank you, thank you for all that you do. The church would not be here without you. Nobody would be here without you. Literally, <laughs> literally, nobody would be here We'd be all alone. So mothers, thank you. And I want to have uh, my wife, who's also a mother, and a mother-to-be, share with you the famous scripture of Proverbs 31. Amen. I want to bless you all with this passage of scripture, Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. 
Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her, ch her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Let's not forget that. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Amen. Yes, can we do that now? Mothers, would you turn around, please? I'm going to ask that we would give a standing ovation to these wonderful mothers. Come on, give them a standing ovation right now, please. Let me pray and bless them, and then we will come and greet them. And if you want to take pictures, you can do so. Let me pray for them. Father, as a church, we honor these wonderful mothers. We thank you for them. We thank you for the hardships that they endure, the grace that you've given them, Lord. We thank you for the example of kindness and compassion that they set and generosity and sacrifice, Lord. And we pray that each one of them will be blessed today. They will feel special today, God. They will know that they are loved by you and by their family. In Jesus' name, bless our mothers. And everybody said, amen. Give them one more hand clap and come and greet them and take some pictures with them come on from your seats greet them today please
All right, why don't you open up your Bibles with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter, oh, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll get to Colossians a little bit later. 2 Peter chapter 1, isn't it good to be in the house of God today? Let me just say this to some today that are missing their mothers or maybe don't have a close relationship with their mother. Let me just say that God will bless you. God will bless you as you spend time with godly families. Maybe there will be a mother of adoption. Maybe someone will bring you into their family and really give that nurturing to you. So don't be discouraged. God will bless you. And if you're a young lady, God may make your home a new home with new traditions. Or if you're a man, God will allow you to marry a wife and for you to have a mother in the home. So I just want to encourage you with that. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We are in a sermon series on spiritual growth. Everybody go spiritual growth. Thank you. And today's message is going to be on the image of God. Ooh, come on, somebody go, ooh, the image of God. I want you to learn today how God has created you, what purpose he made you for. You were made with a special purpose. You are not an animal. No matter what scientists think they know about you, they are wrong. You are not an advanced primate. You are an intelligent, living soul made to reflect and be the image of God. There is not another soul like you in the whole world. You are unique. It's not your physical features that make you a soul. Your body is just the tent you live in. And so you may have a twin or someone may look like you, but that is not who you really are. Who you really are is a soul on the inside, and you are a unique creation of God. And so today we're going to learn about that through the scriptures that we have. But if you're with me right now in Second Peter, somebody say, I'm there. Awesome. Let's go through the beginning where we've been taking this sermon series all this month. And so next week, we're going to have Brandon with us, so make sure to bring your friends. We're going to have a wonderful worship service, and we're going to have, a, uh, have him preach for us. Oh, two weeks? Yeah, I, I just was checking myself. I always forget there's five weeks in May. So the 22nd, we'll give you guys a heads up for that. So I'll be preaching this again the 15th, basically. Uh, so come back again to hear me preach. Um, but here it is, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Thank you, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Everybody say, be a servant. Everybody say, have faith. And everybody say, receive grace and peace. If you want a better explanation, you're going to have to go to the weeks prior, but I hope that explains that passage to you. I've spent every week explaining that in depth. Today, I must move on quickly. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Everybody say this, I have everything I need to live a godly life, to receive the blessings of God, and to dance with the divine. 
Amen. Some of you know what that means. If you don't, go back and study through our notes in the past. But that is a wonderful passage right there. We have studied intensely over the last few weeks. Now let's continue on. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from past sins. Let us name these seven things that Peter says we should add to that precious faith. Everybody say with me, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Increase in those things and you will not be ineffective. Stop doing those things and you'll forget who you are. You'll forget that Christ cleansed you of your sins and you'll be nearsighted and blind. And then lastly, therefore, my brothers and sisters, because of those things we've just heard, because we know that we have a faith as precious as Peter's, we are servants and that we've been given grace and peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, divine power through the promises to live a divine kind of life, dancing with the divine and adding all of these things to our life. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, sisters. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Say, if I do what's right, I'll never stumble and I'll be blessed when I go to heaven. That's what Peter said. See, this is the context for our sermon series. I have gone over this passage in depth over the last few weeks, and I have taught it to you over and over again. And so today I want to encourage you to remember that spiritual growth is a part of what God called you to do. The faith you've been given is precious, and grace and peace is a part of this salvation. And God wants you to have everything you need, but there is an effort that you have to make. There is something that you must do intentional so that you can continue to grow up in your salvation. Just just like how a child is born into a family and has the nature of their family, that child must grow. So too, we have been born again into the family of God, sharing in his nature, but we must grow up in his character. There is a difference between our identity and our maturity. The identity of my son is a Wyrostic, but he doesn't always have the maturity to act like one. A Christian's maturity, a, a Christian's identity is Christ's likeness, Christ in them, having a divine nature with Christ. But that doesn't mean they always act like it and have maturity. Can I hear an amen? So here's what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you today about the image of God from that passage and other passages. As much as Jesus reflects the Father, we are to reflect Jesus. Get that in your heart. I'm going to say that again. As much as Jesus reflects the Father, we are to reflect Jesus. For many, this truth seems to be unbelievable. And you may be here today going, I don't know if I believe that. Nobody can be like Jesus. Well, he said to be. He told us to be like him. So some, some think it's unbelievable and maybe even think blasphemous. Well, there's only one Jesus. Nobody else can be like Jesus. No, but what if Jesus said, I came to make other brothers and sisters just like me? What if Jesus said, I came for you to, uh, to die on the cross for you so that you could be born again and made like me? Hello? See, it's not blasphemous when Jesus said that he wants us to be his, his possession, reflect his image. It's exactly what the Bible teaches when it says the image of God. Scripture teaches us that just as Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, we as born-again believers are the image of the ascended Christ. Oh, I didn't get an amen on that. 
It's going to be a long day. I can tell it already. I can tell it already. Where's my Bible? I need it, friends. Put it up there and go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. As he puts up the Bible, i, I got to preach to you a little bit. I still haven't got past the introduction. I thought I would, but there should have been a big, hearty, resounding amen. This ain't a Presbyterian church, amen? This is a Pentecostal church. We say amen to the preacher, right? You talk back when you believe something. And so if I don't hear you affirming it, that means I've got to teach it. And so these brothers got to get that scripture up there. Take your time. Get it up there for him, Please, Steve, help him. 1 John 4.17 says it so clearly that there is no doubt that any of us can question who we are. And that when you hear a scripture like this, you should say amen. I don't want you to feel like you have to perform when you come to Metro Praise. Like, oh, I didn't say amen. He doesn't like me. No. But I think when you hear something as good as what you just heard, you need to be able to take it into your heart and affirm it. You know, a public affirmation goes back in our history into America. When they were uh, settling down, the uh, settling into the Constitution and making it happen, they would argue with each other. And then when someone would make a point like, all of our rights have been given to us. They are inalienable rights given to us by our creator. The rest of the congressmen would go, hear, hear. Hear, hear. Yes, I'm with that. Put that in the Constitution. Are you listening? You know, hear, hear. And that goes back even beyond that time to the, the councils of the Greeks when they would sit and discuss things and they would argue about, you know, philosophy. And then someone maybe would say something like this, you know, I think, therefore I am. And everybody would go, hear, hear. That's right. And then it even goes back to the times of the people living in the Bible times. The elders would gather around the city gates. And there around the city gates, they would discuss things. And as they would begin to argue through their points, they would then come to a place of agreement. They would go, hear, hear, I agree. And so when we come into church, it's been a tradition of the saints that we say amen. And that means so be it, that we put our agreement on what we're hearing from the preacher, especially if we know it to be true, because we want to say amen. And it may not even just be for you that you're saying amen. It may be for the person sitting next to you, that when they heard it, they didn't really believe it, but then they hear you say out, amen, amen, that is right. They know, wow, someone here believes what the preacher has said. He's just not talking to himself. I want you guys, come on, I want you guys to be an amen in church, amen? Thank you, gentlemen. Look at it. This is how love is made complete among us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. Somebody should give their hearty hear, hear. And somebody should say their Amen. You see, Scripture, I'll read it again, and it's up to you how you respond. Scripture teaches us that just as Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, we as born-again believers are the image of the ascended Christ. Paul wrote in Colossians 2, 9 through 10, this is something we got to take our time with as well. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Think about that. Did Christ have the fullness of God in him? Yes or no? Then do you have the fullness of Christ in you? Yes or no? Now does that make us divine in our attributes as Christ? No. It makes us 
able to share in the moral attribute of his divinity. When Peter said here that we share in the divine nature or that we participate in it, he is not saying that we become all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere at the same time. What he is saying is that we participate with the spiritual character of who God is. When Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, and later on uh, Peter said, be holy for I am holy, speaking what God said in Deuteronomy, me, what it is saying is this passage right here, it's explaining it to us, that as God was in Christ, Christ is in us. As the fullness of deity was in Jesus, the fullness of Jesus is in me. That means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Just as the flesh of Jesus at the incarnation and revealed at the resurrection was filled to the full measure of God, believers have been given the fullness of Christ via the Holy Spirit at new birth. See, do you believe that? Do you take that in as a truth and say, okay, I'm not arguing with that. I'll believe that. Listen to Paul again in Ephesians 3:17 and onward. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That should get you excited this morning. Therefore, there is no doubt that we as Christians have the full measure of God living in us. Why? Because we have Jesus. For what purpose? That we may reflect the image of Jesus everywhere we go. Are you ready today, my friends, to hear this message? I want your heart to be open to the scriptures. We participate in the divine nature because Christ is in us. As much of God as was in Christ is as much of Christ as is in me, as is in you. You get to dance with the divine today. You were born naughty by nature, but born again in divine nature. You were born first of a sinful nature, born again now of a divine nature. You were born separated from God, born again in union with God. You were born enemies with God and his Messiah, but born again as a child and a participant in the kingdom of the Messiah. You have a future, hallelujah, and your future looks good. Hallelujah. I don't have to be a psychic to tell everybody here who's called on Jesus, I see you in the future, and you look much better than you do right now. You look like you shine with the glory of God. You look like your heavenly Father because of Jesus. Now, see, for some of us, that seems to be almost like Disney World, saying, well, we're all Peter Pans and we'll live forever and never, never land. No, but as surely as Jesus raised from the dead and has a resurrected body and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, I believe when this body dies, I will be resurrected and be with him forever. Until that time, I'll be in his presence with the other saints of old waiting for him to come and return, right? I believe in the bodily resurrection. I believe in the salvation of the soul. I believe that Jesus Christ did this not only for our sake, but for the glory of the Father, so that the Father would have many sons and daughters in the image of Christ, that we would all look like Jesus and please the Father. I want to review some of the things I've shared with you before, before we get into the message, because I think it builds it up properly. Looking at this chart, we see that the spiritual life is what we grow in, because you've got to have a spiritual life to have spiritual growth. 
If you want to have a corn crop that grows well, you got to have some corn. You, you, you can't start growing in a spiritual life unless you first have a spiritual life. So the center part here of this chart shows us the new man or the new person. That is the believer's perfect spirit given at salvation and the purified soul when the person is born again. Now, I want to show this to you so that you don't get tired of seeing it. Can I go to Hebrews 12 with you? Let's go to Hebrews 12, 23. We have plenty of time. Mama can wait. Amen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tomatoes come and all this. But you know what? Mama ain't cooking today. She's good, right? You're just going out. You're going out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all your restaurants will be waiting for you. You'll, you don't have to worry about trying to beat the Baptist. We'll just come later than the Baptist. Amen? They all getting out right about now. The Pentecostals will be coming right around one or two. Amen? And we love our Baptist brothers. Amen? We love them. Presbyterian, but we're going we're gonna to come to the 2 o'clock lunch. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Well, let's look at this quickly, quickly, right? To the church of the firstborn, Hebrews 12, 23, whose names are written in heaven. Everybody go, that's me? I mean, I believe that's you. If you're not, you're going to hell, right? How many have their names written in heaven? Okay, that's you. You have come to God, the judge of all. How many know he's still a judge? Amen. Even though he has said you're innocent, he's still a judge. He's a good judge, and he will judge righteously. Now watch this. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So how was your spirit made when you were born again? Perfect. Now let's go to 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We're reading out of uh, 2 Peter, but let's go to 1 Peter's letter. Look at what he says about the soul. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. I'll read out the New King James because uh, the NIV says yourselves, but the, uh, the Greek word here is souls, uh, psyche right here. You can see that some of you are going there. You guys see there, this is the Greek word. And all of our English translations just try to paraphrase the Greek the best. But I love when it keeps its soul. Here you go. Look at it. 1 Peter 1.22. Since you have purified your what? Your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit, insincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. What kind of heart are you supposed to have? Pure heart. What kind of soul? A pure soul. Having been born again. How many are born again? Amen. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the word of God comes. Faith comes. That's what Peter was talking about to us. It's righteousness of Christ given to us through the word of God. We believe it. We're born again. Our spirit is made perfect. Our soul is purified. How else would he give you the new man? How else would God transform your new man? Would he give you a new man that's part messed up and part good? No, he's going to give you a new man that's all good, all new, all purified, all together lovely. The Bible teaches us that we are now the image of Christ on the inside. Do we always live it, though, on the outside? No, we don't. You are the light of the world. Do you always act like it? No. Sometimes you cover up that light bulb with some of your flesh, and the world doesn't see the light in you that sees the flesh. And what Christ is wanting us to know is we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up to be, or excuse me, act like the person we be. My son already be a Wyrostic, but now they need, my son needs to learn to act like a Wyrostic. So who be you? You be a child of God. Do you act like one? Well, you should. That's why Peter wrote what he said. And that's the next thing is knowing, showing, and growing. Now, I don't have time to get into all these things. We've done it in times past. But when you look at what Peter was saying in that passage, he starts off with the knowledge of God. Then he talks about living a godly life and doing all things through the divine power of Christ. And then he talks about adding to our faith all of these things. 
I took on Paul's fruit of the Spirit and put it also in our growth list there. So there's 12 unique things in the Bible that really show the image of Christ. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Everybody say amen to that. So when you look at the Bible, that's pretty much a summary through Peter's list and Paul's list of the 12 characteristics that are going to reflect Christ's image. You need to grow up in this. You need to increase in this. Okay? Now, how do you do that? Well, this chart really, I think, shows us. How do I grow in that? Well, first I need to know some things, and then I need to show some things. So let me give you an example. If I want to grow in, uh, let's say, godliness, acting like God towards my wife, well, I need to cycle back to knowing. That's why this is a cycle. So I need to know some things about her. What do I need to know? How she receives love. So if her love tank gets filled through acts of service, me cutting the grass, me uh, doing the dishes, saying, hey, we're not cooking today. We're going to go out. You don't have to worry about it, right? See, when I know that about her, I can then show it by going to the next step and doing those things, cutting the grass, doing the dishes for her. As that happens, I grow in our relationship more godly. I grow in the reflection of who Jesus is better because I know what she likes and doesn't likes. I have shown it by my actions, and now there is a growth in my character. Does everybody get that? You see, knowing, growing, and showing, they move together in the new man, and it works in every stage of life. Let me show you again. Let's go to a parenting. So let's say I want to raise my daughter to be a holy woman of God, to have a great self-esteem, to know that her daddy always loves her, right? And so I need to then know about her. I need to learn her expressions and what she likes. Well, one of the things she likes is she likes to dance. And one of the dances she likes to dance is let me whip, whip, let me name. I don't even know how y'all do that, but nah, nah, nah. I'll call on some of you guys to do it right now. But anyways, I don't want to embarrass you. But my girl does it. My girl does it. She got her little head going. I can't even do it, but she got her hips. But here's the thing. See, when I know that about her, I show my approval to her by having her do it in front of our friends yesterday and then clapping and smiling. See, I'm showing that I know what she likes. Guess what happens? Her love grows. My character as a father grows, and that happens together. It's the same way with God. There are things that you have to know to show to grow with God. Growing with God will be natural, but it must be intentional. You cannot come at it to be lazy. You have to take intentional steps to grow. But just like the gardener takes intentional steps to grow the vineyard or to grow the crop, they know that they cannot make the crop grow. It grows naturally. And so it is with us. We are to abide in the vine, stay connected to Jesus, to trust him, to prune the bad things out of our life, and then to know that it will naturally happen in our lives, not us trying to force a great pop to come out of us. And so I make intention to know about God, I make intention to show that I know God, and then I trust him that naturally goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance is going to develop in my life. Some try to do it on the religion of good works, starting with goodness, starting with mutual affection, and they say, I'm going to make myself a better person. I'm going to make myself a better person, and they never do. You can't make yourself a success, but only a mess. 
Only Christ can take your mess and make it a message of his grace. See, Christ transforms lives. Being comes before doing in the kingdom of God. Being before doing. It says to me to show it to you so you don't take just my word for it. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, one of the best passages you'll ever read in the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Being comes first, then doing. Being, then doing. Look at this part, look at this section right here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Teaching us who we are in Christ. What we become is then what we can do. What we become is then what we can do. We cannot have it the other way around. We become to do. Become to do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 is being naughty with me on these scriptures right here. Would you guys be patient with me just for a second? We got some new stuff. Did anybody notice some pretty pictures there in the back? Amen. We got some new things. Guys, let me do it from right here. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. One day we'll work. One day. Look at this. Going right here to the internet. Follow along with me right here. For we are God's what? handiwork what created in Christ Jesus to do which God prepared in advance for us to do first we be then we do first we be God's handiwork then we do the good works of God can a hammer be a hammer without first being made a hammer (laughs) can a saw be a saw without first being made a saw can you do good works without first being made good So why are people trying to do good works to make themselves good? They just want to do, 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 do. And then what happens? They end up smelling like a bunch of do-do. Because if all you try to do, do, do is do, 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 you're going to have nothing but do, do. But you need to be made new, new, new so you can do, do, do. Amen? Let Christ make you his handiwork first, complete in salvation, then you can do all that God has called you to do. I think you're getting this. So what are the things we're to know? We're to know that Jesus is God and Savior. How many believe that? We are to know that we're, we're sharing in the divine nature when we're born again, and that number three, we can do all that God commanded us to do. So he never would have told us to do stuff we actually couldn't do. So let me ask it to you like this. How many of you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? How many of believe here that you are who God said you are? And how many of you believe you can do what God said you can do? Now show it by doing these things. I don't have time to get into this list, but that will be a a next sermon series. But through our scripture reading, prayer, hanging out with Jesus, these showings that come from our knowing result in our growing. Now let us go back to this chart here and understand that it's the Holy Spirit that does this. The new man is the spirit saving and sanctifying once and for all. Spiritual growth is the spirit growing us continually. And renewal and transformation is the spirit renewing and transforming our minds and our behavior. That's why when you look to a scripture like this one right here, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we with the open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. Everybody say the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Can I show you a problem that I have right now? Can I just show you a problem? Let me just show you a problem that I have. I have about 10 minutes. I haven't even got done with the introduction. And here is my message today. Can I show you where my message starts? My message starts here with Colossians, reading through this passage. 
than explaining to you what Colossians means, the summary of Colossians 1 through 17. I have five takeaways there. And then I want to get you to this hymn that was written that explains it. I don't even have time to do half of this. How many know I don't? I don't. I can't do this. I'll, I'll keep you here till three to do it. <laughs> I know I can't. It would just take us till three. But isn't that awesome that a young adult wants to stay till three o'clock and hear it all? Amen. God bless you. Amen. Rather you be here. Amen. Any, any young person would rather you be here than anywhere else. Let me do this then. Okay, I had a feeling this might happen. I was walking last night, and this really, um, this really hit me hard. And I knew I already had my notes prepared, and I even went through my mind as I was praying. I said, God, what if I can't get through this? And then the Lord took me on this little journey of a way of explaining it. And I thought it was just for me or for our team talk. But let me just share this slide, and I'll share with what he put on my heart. Can I get a witness to that? And amen, just you support me on that? Okay. Let me just summarize this, though. When you look at this chart here of the new birth and uh, spiritual growth and renewal and transformation, it's for a purpose. And the purpose is to reflect the image of Christ. So look at it like this. New birth plus spiritual growth plus renewal and transformation equals reflecting the image of Christ. That's what Paul is getting to here. That's, that's the point of why we were saved. We were saved to be uh, reflective of Christ. Like he is uh, the sun, we are the moon. We have no light in ourselves, but we reflect the light that comes upon us. Going back to the book of Genesis, you see that this is why we were created in the image of God. When we sin, this is what we lost. And so how is that restored? It's restored by rebirth. In rebirth, you're made like Christ. It's then shown to the world as you grow in spiritual growth, you grow like Christ. And then in renewal of your mind and transformation of your behavior, you think and act like Christ. That is reflecting the image of Christ upon this earth. Do you all see that? Today you start off, if you don't know Jesus, as a sinner and you say, Lord, I want to be born again. When you are born again, you are made in the image of Christ. Christ comes on the inside of you. Your soul is made perfect. Your soul is purified. Amen? Spirit is made perfect and your soul is purified. Then you are to grow in maturity. Your identity is established at new birth. That is who you are. Then you grow in your maturity through knowing, showing, and growing. And those are the things that we're just talking about. If you read the Bible, just, I've read it many times, and especially the New Testament, 27 books. These 12 things are basically everybody, uh, what they're all commanding you to do. Read your Bible, pray, keep your family in order, memorize the scripture, write out things that God tells you, pray and worship, be a disciple, Christian service, share your faith, meditate on the word have your finances in order, participate in Christian fellowship, church involvement. That is for the purpose of your character growing. That's the means of grace. And so when you do that, the renewal and transformation, a new mind comes and a new behavior comes, okay? So that's reflecting the image of Christ. But let me share this with you as I was, as I was getting it yesterday. Let me just give a heart to heart. I think so often in Christianity we miss this. And there's two ways that we fail at this. The first way is coming into salvation. Many of us think that we're progressively being made a Christian, that we're progressively becoming a better person. You guys have heard me talk about this, right? But here's where I want to hit it where, where it's at today because I think some of you deal with this. You may say I'm saved by faith through grace or saved by grace through faith, but you don't act like it. Anytime you're presented with something from the Scripture, you kind of kick back with who you used to be. And so, like for example, the, the Bible teaches us to not be sexually immoral. But then some of you will kick back and be like, well, man, I started looking at porn or having sex when I was a teenager. 
And what you do is you look at your old self instead of the new self. But you're really saved. You, you really love Jesus. You're like, I get this. Pastor, I amen this. I love this. You're, you know, you're in agreement with it, but your heart is not grasping it. Can I tell you why? It's because you're selfish. You're self-centered. You're a naughty little boy or a naughty little girl. <laughs> Let me say it like that. No, I'm serious. But you are selfish by definition. Listen to what I mean by this. All you see is yourself. You don't see the work of the cross. You don't see the beauty of the resurrection. You don't know how to set your mind where Jesus is now, as the command tells us, where he is in heavenly places. And you don't know how to trust the promises of Scripture. And so since you're not relying upon God, you're relying upon self. But listen to what Jesus said to people just like you. People just like you. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, take this path with me. This is how it starts. You deny yourself. You deny yourself. So if any excuse comes in your heart to why you don't believe you were made like Christ, you deny it. You deny it. So let's say for me, if I'm like you and I have doubts, I'll doubt that I'm made like Christ. Why? Because I lost my temper two weeks ago, and I told you guys that story. So now I'll say, man, I lost my temper. I doubt I'm really made like Christ. My spirit can't be perfected. My soul can't be purified. Why? Because my experience shows me otherwise. My experience shows I'm still just of flesh. I still make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. This is the best it's going to be. God's still working on me. He's going to whittle on me for the next 50 years, and maybe that will get dealt with. But you see, that's all selfishness. That's never the way the apostles talked. The way they talked was always about starting with who you are in Christ and saying, since, of, since you're new, now live new. Since you're raised with Christ, since your mind on Christ. Since you're a new creation, now live like a new creation. Since you've taken on the old and put on the new, live like it, right? And so my thing is, I want some of you guys to understand this. If you remain selfish, you'll never be in the spirit because the self-centered life is a fleshly carnal life. Now, the second thing that the Lord showed me when I was walking yesterday, maybe to summarize a lot of this here, and I'll end with these passages, um, is, is that just by reading them, and I think you'll get some of this. Obviously, it's the word of God, but, you know, maybe this helps a little bit is that then this reflecting of the image. It's like the beginning and the end. We, we miss. So people think they're going to save themselves. They're selfish. They, they don't believe who God said. And then when it comes to reflecting the image of Christ, now I see Christians on the other end. So they're like, I'm saved by grace, pastor. I got it. I am who God said. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus more than a conqueror. But then they get lazy and sit on their holy backside. And that's why what you're sitting on right now is called a pew. Because if you don't leave here, you begin to stink. And you got to get out there and serve God, right? So they just sit on their holy backside, and they just go, hey, I didn't do anything to save myself, so spiritual growth just must be by the Spirit without me doing anything. Let me just throw out some seed on the ground, and hey, wherever it starts to grow, it grows. Let God be God, and hey, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And they don't understand that there's a dancing with the divine, a participation in the divine nature. That's why that word is participate. That's the word there that Peter used. You participate in the divine nature. And that literally means to dance with the divine. And Paul said it like this. Those who keep in step with the Spirit live their life by the Spirit and don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And so then some of you undersell what it means to reflect the image of Christ. It's not, you're right, it's not you working, 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 though there are good works. But the point is you miss 
the relationship with Jesus. You, 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 you're, you know that you're, you're confident that you're saved, but you're not letting Jesus tell you what to watch tonight when you go home. Because you don't want to dance with him with your entertainment. You just want to leave the dance floor and go, you're done, Jesus. I went to church. You stay there. I'm going to now be home and just watch what I watch because I'm saved and you, you've made me who I am and whatever happens, happens. And I'm just going to go off and I'm do my own thing. And you don't understand. Life is a dance with Jesus. Tomorrow you wake up, your commute is a dance with Jesus. What does he want you to do with your commute time? Listen to the word, sing songs, meditate on your business and ask for wisdom so you can prosper. And so where I think we miss it at both places is that we don't understand that Christ wants all of us. And he wants us for his own sake to reflect him in all that we do. And so salvation is that awesome. It's that big. And when we grow and know and show and our lives are transformed and there's a reflecting, it's actually that powerful. It's really that powerful. Can I get an amen to that? All right, thank you for that. You've encouraged me. Let me now look at Colossians 1, 1 through, uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 17 in closing. Look at this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Isn't that kind of what I was trying to share with you? You see, this is how Paul directs it to us. Since you've been raised with Christ, see, your life is changed. Your spirit is where Christ is. It's a union. Since that has happened, now put your heart up there. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you what? You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in what? Glory. I mean, that is so powerful. Are you getting that? You what? You died. You, you can't be selfish no more in this thing. You can't pay attention to what just your flesh wants anymore. That's counted as dead now. Now look at this. Put to death. Put it to death. Put your selfishness to death. Put your excuses to death. Put your depression to death. Put everything that's of the flesh to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Come on, somebody. Do not lie to each other. Why shouldn't we lie? Why shouldn't we do all these things? Since you have taken off your old self. How many of you have taken off your old self with its practices and have what? Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In the knowledge. How do I get renewed in this image? How do I get reminded of this image? By knowing, showing, and growing. Here there's no Mexican or Puerto Rican, Polish or Italian Hello, American or Iraqi, whatever. No Jew, no Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But listen to this. Christ is, Christ is all and is in all. He's in you. 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 He's in me. All of them. All of Jesus is in me. As much as divinity was in Jesus is as much as Jesus as is in me today. Hallelujah. Christ is in me. Glory to God. I'm excited. Therefore, therefore, you sassy sinners. Is that what it says? 
No, the Bible doesn't call you that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, what kind of people are you? Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion. See, since you're God's chosen people, since you're holy, since you're dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Somebody say, let the peace come. It's up to you whether or not you let peace come into your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Now listen to this uniqueness. With all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. You see why important, how important it is to sing, not only when you're here, but by yourself, singing these things to your heart, to your soul. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you want to do all things unto God? You want to please God? Do those things. But where did it start? Where did it start? It started with the new person. It started here. It started with new birth. It started with taking off the old, putting on the new, and growing in the things that God told us to do. And then those transformations come. And then those new behaviors come. And then those new actions and thoughts come. Why? Because we were made to reflect his glory. Can I uh, read to you a hymn? Because it says that we should encourage each other through hymns, right? Songs, spiritual songs. Vinny, would you come, please? Can I encourage you today? And here's the summary of Colossians, if you want to look at it. Five takeaways. Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad that your pastor gives you notes? Amen. Come on. Here's a hymn, because it says to encourage each other by it. And here's a hymn that I think will encourage you today. It doesn't sound like what they play on K-Love, I'll tell you that. Doesn't sound like just some simple little thing, you know, oh woe is me, but Jesus loves me. No, this has got some this has got some meat to it. Th- this has got some admonishment to it. This has got some wisdom to it. Let it encourage you as it encouraged me. My old man was crucified with him. My old man was crucified with him, with all its foul corruption deep within, and buried to its nature serpentine. Completely finished, this great fact is mine. I hold it fast. But there is a person in my spirit now, born as a babe, so small, so weak, so low, who by the words pure milk will grow to be the overcoming inner man in me to gain my heart. Christ as my person must possess my heart and be preeminent in every part. The former old died, but haunts it still. O Lord, move in my mind, emotion, will. Now welcome thee. This is amazing if you'll get this next part right here. In spirit mingled, we are one, O Lord, the human and divine in one accord. Yet thou must have a proper facility that all thy glorious personality may be expressed. So, Lord, I give my heart to thee today that it may be thy home in every way, a place for thee to come and settle down 
and all thy grand recovery work to crown in one new man. Do you believe that today? Would you stand up if you do? Give the Lord a hand clap for his word today. Come on. Band and altar workers, would you come please? Let's pray in closing. Thank you for your patience. Mothers, we love you, but let us pray and honor the Lord no matter who we may be today. Lord, we ask you right now to change our thinking. Start with us right now if we are not saved and show us who we really be without you. If you're here in this place in an attitude of prayer and you don't know Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior, if you haven't been born again, would you ask him to forgive you right now of your sins and to come into your life? Start right there. Just pray a simple, heartfelt prayer of confession of sin and confession of Jesus' Lordship. For those that are already saved, you would say, I know I'm born again, Pastor. Would you examine your life to see if you're growing in your knowing and your showing? Are there areas that Christ wants to work within you to let go and let him have his way? Are there places where you doubt his word and so you don't obey? You go back to your selfish ways, your own ways. Right now, would you confess your weakness or sin to the Lord and confess your identity and his strength within you? Come on, just pray. Two people, two kinds of people should already be praying. Those who don't know the Lord and those who want to grow up in their salvation. Now the third kind, would you look at your heart and be honest? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I've been growing in this message and I really believe that I am who he said I am and I'm, I'm knowing, showing, growing. I mean, I'm being renewed and transformed. Would you now see the areas that Christ can use you to reflect his image in? Would you right now just start to pray for those areas? Mothers, a great place would be for your home with your family right now. Just saying, God, may I be like you to my children. Lord, use me for your glory to reflect your character. Oh, God. Fathers, come on, fathers, pray. Lord, use me to reflect your character to my family. And then move on from there, as Colossians says, to do all things as unto the Lord. Pray that on your job you'll reflect Jesus. I know it's not always easy, but you're going to reflect Jesus throughout your suffering. You're going to reflect Jesus throughout uh, people maybe persecuting you or unfairness. Right now, reflect. Reflect. Ask God to use you. I want to be used wherever I go. So there's three kinds of people praying through those three stages right now. Come on, new birth, growth, and that renewal and transformation reflecting the image of Christ. You could move through all three prayer steps right now. Someone who was born again could then say, I want to grow up, God help me in these areas, and then start saying, Lord, to use me in these areas. Come on. Everyone should be praying, seeking the Lord. We seek you, Jesus, in our time of need. We call on you because you're all we need. We look to you, God, because you're all we need. Have your way, have your way, have your way in me. Just a few more moments. 
few more moments. Come on, I'm just singing a song from my spirit. Just pray. Pray for any needs you can think of, any area of your life you can think of you want to reflect Jesus in. Maybe just pray for this church too, Jesus. May Metro Praise reflect you this summer. Oh, God, everything that we do for your glory, reflect you at Bodiqua Fest, reflect you at the schools, reflect you, God, on the streets and the communities, reflect you on the west side when we pick up students every Wednesday for King's Kids. As you pray, would you move into worship now? Take your time. Just pray and move into worship. Let the Lord know today you want to reflect Him. Live for Him. In all that you do. One more time. Your love is extravagant. part thinking about reflecting God's image. I find I'm moving. I find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret. Come on, sing again. I find. I find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace. Your fragrance is intoxicating Can I get some testimonies before we go? Just quickly, some of my leaders I'm going to call on. Just Ish, Lauren, Adam, Lawrence, and then my wife. Four testimonies. How do you, I'm going to give you four different areas, okay? Start with work. How does God reflect his image? on your job doing chemical inspections and safety inspections. How does God use you there? Well, God has just used me to show compassion and love and grace to people, even though it's so foreign to them, they don't even know what that is. Like construction workers cussing. Exactly, construction workers cussing. When they see me, they, they know that something is different about me, and they, they can actually figure it out. They know it's God. They won't acknowledge it, but they know it. And when I get to speak about it, it's like it's confirmed. And uh, God has used me a lot in, into just to pour into people who are hurting and stuff at work. So it's, it's just been a wonder. Didn't one of your coworkers say, like, you smile all the time, you're a joyous man? What was that testimony they said to you? Yeah, actually, he said that I that he was annoyed <laughs> at how happy I was. <laughs> so come on, give it up for his annoyance, amen. I'm happy because Jesus loves me. Oh, y'all ain't even ready for this. This is awesome. You're up here today because you weren't supposed to be up here. It was supposed to be someone else. But watch this. She takes care of the neighborhood kids. Tell that story about how you and his, uh, his Robin, the, you and your sister, have been taking care of neighborhood kids, don't go to church, but now they started going to church because the neighborhood kids got rocked by your time with them. And now the parents go talk about that. I know I said it, but say it again. Come on. So we moved into this neighborhood, and the mom put on Facebook. We have a, we have a community Facebook page. She put on Facebook, she was looking for people to take care of her children. So me and my sister, not even knowing each other, did 
private, private message to her and said, we'll take care of your kids for free. She ended up saying, oh, you guys are sisters. You did the same exact thing. We started taking care of them. Long story short, she saw our life in our home, the little kids. There's a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and the four-year-old just grabs it all up, and she's been watching our children talk about Jesus, and out of nowhere, this girl just starts to love Jesus. I mean, the hunger inside of this four-year-old girl is amazing, and uh, she wanted to read her Bible. She sits there with her Bible all day long, wants to learn worship songs. My daughter has taught her Jesus loves me and things like that. And you could see when she sings it, she just means it with all of her heart. And now her parents never gone to church, didn't know about God, nothing. Now they're getting rocked through their four-year-old, just being able to bring home what she's seen at our house, the image of God. Come on. Happy Mother's Day. Now, Adam, I want you to testify. Adam works at an alternative school with troubled young people, many of them from the inner city, broken families. They have dropped out of high school or been kicked out. He takes them on now to give them back that high school degree. Share with us what your coworkers have said, what your boss has said, and how it's led to not only you being given high regard there, but you were able to hire two more people from the church for a total of three. Come on. Amen, amen. Well, since I started working there, I think my experience had been in the church and working with youth and showing the love of God. And uh, when you do that, you can't turn it off. And when I started working there, a lot of people that at, at the time I did not know were Christian were coming up to me. It's like, man, you're different. Something's different about you. What church you go to? And I was just saying, well, I, I go to this church, but it's, it's a God. And, and God has blessed me. God has favored me. And alongside of what I do, being able to share the gospel with some of these youth, Sometimes you can say, hey, come to school more often, get your grades up, but you know that's not going to change their life. And being able to reach a student, they come back to you and say, man, I want to go to my church, or I want to give my life to God, or I want to do things the right way. And so God has been blessing me at that job. And Come on, give it up for Adam. Quickly, come on, Lawrence. I want Lawrence to tell you, because we got a lot of young people here. Listen, Lawrence led a worship night at Wright College. He got together the Christians, got the hall played the worship, people got saved, right? Or they heard the gospel? Tell us about it. Man, uh, first and foremost, it was just all God. Um, we were able, yeah, to uh, basically borrow the main theater of the campus, and uh, we had one of the worship leaders from here, Rachel, come out. She led worship. We were praying for the school. We were praying for the teachers there. There were, there were alumni that were there. There were professors that were there, Christians that just wanted to come and see what God was doing. And uh, one of the testimonies was that somebody came in there and just felt the presence of God so strong. They were got convicted of their sin. And uh, it was actually too much for them and ended up leaving. But uh, just testimonies throughout the whole night. People would hear it, hear the worship from outside the theater. They'd hear it in the bathroom because it was so loud. And uh, so the security guard came in and, and checked it out. And, you know, it's just God's presence was moving so much. So, Thank you for your patience. I want you to think about this. A dude on the construction site reflecting God's glory. A woman at home taking care of children, changing a family by God's glory. A man working with what we would consider some of the toughest young people for God's glory. A college student where atheism and secularism abounding, using the presence of God there to change that school. And then lastly, my wife, and I'll have you pray for us in closing was hit by a car with our whole family and it had her leg broken in many pieces has had to go to surgeries and screws put in her leg is now walking 
but she would tell me nurse after nurse, doctor after doctor would talk about her amazing recovery and that she was their favorite patient because of her smile and her willingness to have a good attitude through such a terrible life circumstance. Amen. Yes, I had uh, wonderful nurses, and if you're in the nursing field, it's kind of a tough job. Um, a lot of grumpy people, but I just, you know, I was just very joyful throughout the whole thing, very thankful for their help, and they were just all very in awe of the details of the accident and how uh, I was going through it. And one of the doctors actually said that that's actually a miracle because head-on collisions usually result in head-to-toe injuries. That's just a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And when I, after the, the, the first, the second major surgery, um, I started going to the surgeon and he would take x-rays for every appointment. And he said, uh, your, your bones are looking really good. And he said, I knew that you were a healer. You know, that's, that's what he called it because he just knew he could see the strength I believe he could see the strength of the Lord in my life, and he could just tell that I was going to recover quickly. And so it's all glory to God, and uh, he really kept me through that trial, and it's going to continue to bring him glory. So his, it's his strength, it's his joy that gets us through the tough times in life. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your favor, oh God, on our lives. God, we cannot do one thing without you. I ask, oh Lord, that you would continue to strengthen us, that the joy of the Lord would always be our strength, that we would give thanks, God, every single day for the life that you've given to us, God, life eternal, life full of purpose, God, life to the fullest, God, the fullness of your glory. And I pray that we would reflect your image, Lord, to everybody around us, that the glory of God would shine in our face, that it would be upon our countenance, God, that it would be heard in the words that we speak and the attitudes, God, of our mind, the attitudes, God, of our character. I ask, oh, Lord, that we would shine like stars in the universe, oh, God, as we display your glory, display your character, that the world around us, oh, God, would be so hungry, for what we have, God, that they would be so hungry for the tangible presence and goodness of the Lord that shines through us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, have a great Mother's Day. We love you. Have a good day. You're dismissed. Come on up if you need prayer for anything. We love you.
just worshiping let us remember that the fullness of Christ is in us just as much as the fullness of deity was in Christ the fullness of Christ is in you and me Christ is all and he is in all 